Thank you so much, Q and Zach. Uh, what a sweet time just to begin uh, our day together. And good morning, everybody. Uh, welcome back. And we are continuing in our uh, series, uh, Awestruck by Advent, and uh, excited to, to have a little bit of a change and something new that we um, are breaking into today. Um, a little bit of a context. Um, Christina Mayankova, who's our, our chapel assistant, uh, student leader uh, position, um, her and I have been uh, looking ahead to the winter, spring time to plan a, a student speak series of allowing on Tuesdays, which is we're uniting around witness testimonies that encourage uh, here in chapel to uh, allow you guys to hear from one another. And so um, we're breaking into that a little bit early. She met with um, a current student uh, who's going to be speaking today, uh, this fall, and got to hear a little bit about his story, his testimony. He's like, Justin, um, we got to have... Uh, we're going to have Austin speak, but he's going to be gone next semester, and so um, can we do it this, this semester? And so um, we're really excited to have uh, student Austin Hill, uh, who's going to be uh, sharing today. And he, um, uh, as I've gotten to know Austin, uh, just a couple things, that he has such a, a childlike faith and a passion for Jesus that um, is contagious. Um, I've really appreciated how... Um, how he really wants to, to, to make plain and to recognize that this, this love and all, the, all, the, all that God has for us is for everybody and has just a, a great way to share that through his own struggles, through his own journey. Um, and so I'm, I, I know that today you'll be challenged, you'll be encouraged, but also invited in. And so uh, really excited um, as Austin's here this, uh, he was an RA last year. Uh, he's a student here this fall, but he's, he's going to be heading off to YWAM uh, in, in January for a period of time and then potentially coming back, but we'll, we'll see uh, how the Lord leads there. So um, I wanted to then, uh, just without further ado, uh, please give a warm Northwestern welcome to one of your very own peers, uh, Austin Hill. And uh, would you put a hand over Austin as we pray for him and a hand up as we pray over ourselves. Father, we thank you, and we do say and sing hallelujah to you, that we have come here because of you, that we um, are here because of your love for us, and thank you that we can sing and uh, really soak in the wonders of your love. Thank you for your servant, your son, Austin. Thank you for bringing him to yourself. Thank you for bringing him to Northwestern, and thank you for this opportunity that he has here to share. Would you fill him with your spirit, fill us with your spirit, um, and Lord, may we be changed together towards a greater Christ-likeness from our time together. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey. Can we just... Justin's so cool. Can we just like, give him a hand for the, how everything he does for us? Honestly, I'm just really excited that I have a wireless mic. To be honest, um, this is so cool. I'm really happy to be here. How are we all doing? Are we all surviving right now? Like with finals and everything coming up, I know it's struggle bus right now. I know I've been very tired and coffee is exponentially increasing each day. Um, so you all know that the theme this week is Advent or Awestruck of Advent, and I love that. Because every single time that I think of Advent, I think of obviously the birth of Jesus. I mean, I guess it probably makes sense. Um, but we've heard that story over and over again. Like, we've heard it a lot. Like, every single Christmas, you probably have, like, some nativity scene at your house that has, like, some weird plastic baby Jesus that's super creepy. Um, 
and then you can like go through the story and everything like that. But I really liked what the intro yesterday because it talked about how this comment or whatever we decided it was yesterday, the star that made, I'm gonna, I was gonna say Wiseman, but I really like Magi because that's what I said yesterday, so I'm gonna use that today. Gonna, it makes me sound super smart. Um, but it made the Magi literally get up out of everything that they had and walk or ride on camels, whatever, not, not a car or GPS or anything like that, and just go thousands of miles just to go see Jesus. They didn't even know he was there. I mean, they assumed. But that just makes me wonder, it makes me think, because we always talk about the cross, and the cross is amazing. But he was worthy before the cross. And he was worthy before he was born, and I think that's what the Magi understood, is that he was worthy before he did anything. If you look in the Old Testament, you'll see that everyone's trying to like communicate to him that he's worthy, but they keep on messing up. But he was worthy before the cross, and that's really one of the main things that I want to get to. But my question, the overarching theme of today, is going to be this, this one question, is that, is Jesus enough? And I don't want like the Sunday school answer because I know that it's so easy to say, yes, Jesus is obviously enough. That's what everyone always says. That's what you're supposed to say if you grew up in a Christian household. That's what, in all your classes, you always joke about putting the answer is Jesus to every single question ever because he is. But is he truly enough for each of us? Is he enough if we don't get the favor in our life, if we don't get the promotions that we want, if you don't get a ring by spring or a guy or girl that you want? Is he enough, regardless of anything ever, if nothing in your life changes, if it stays the exact same way that it is now, if no, nothing gets better or worse, if it stays the exact same, or if it plummets and gets worse completely, is he still enough for you? And so the main passage that we're going to talk about today is just one verse, but it's one of my favorites, because I think the person who wrote this understood this so well. So it's Psalm 27.4. And, and it says, One thing have I asked of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to acquire it in his temple. That blows my mind for a couple reasons. One, we never use that language, really. I mean, I know for a lot of my life I wouldn't have used that language of the only thing I want is to dwell in his temple, is to gaze upon his beauty. Like, what is that? But not only that, that's before the cross. That's old covenant. That's a very conditional covenant, not an unconditional one like we have now. It's completely different than what he has now. He didn't even have Holy Spirit here. Yet David understood and that the only thing that he wanted, even though that in his life he would get chased after by Saul, that he would not have everything go his own way, that he would mess up a lot. But he understood that the only thing that he ever wanted was to dwell in the house of the Lord and to gaze upon his beauty. That's the only thing he wanted. Regardless of the promotions in life, regardless if his life turned out the way that he wanted it to, that's the only thing that he wanted. So are we seeking Jesus? Are we seeking God because he's God? Are we going to him despite our circumstances? Because he's not one that we go to to fix them. He's one we go to despite of them. And the reason that I'm asking this question is not like this whole, like, come on, Northwestern, is God enough for you? It's because I can tell you for a fact that the first 18 years of my life especially, I would have answered that question yes. But looking back, I can very confidently say it was a no. 
Because BC Austin is very different than Austin now. Praise God, honestly. Can I get an amen? I've always wanted to say that. Yes, amazing. I've wanted to say that forever. Wow, that worked out really well. Um, and I'm gonna be pretty open, honest, and real with you guys about who I was before Jesus. And it's not because I'm like trying to show off who I am now, it's because I have utter confidence in who he made me. And why would I ever worry about what I used to do? Because that man's dead. And it says that there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, so I do not care what I've done. I don't care what any of you guys have done. I don't care, like this is very drastic. I don't care if you've murdered someone. You still deserve the love of Jesus because he paid that price. So I don't care what I've done at all. Not even remotely. I laugh at it now. If you ever talk to me, if you want to talk to me, I will. It's hilarious looking back at my life because I'm like, wow, that guy's not even remotely me. So when I was in high school, I was a vastly, vastly different person. I had every single opportunity to be on fire for Jesus growing up. I had an amazing family, an amazing church. My grandparents were pastors in my church. It was fantastic. They're also right here, so hi. Um, I also had an amazing mom. <laughs> but I had every single opportunity to thrive. And yet I looked for security, I looked for my satisfaction and my worth in everything, basically everything but Jesus. There are three main places that I always kind of identify. Academics, athletics, and girls. <laughs> Academics, I would need to get the best grade. I would need to be the best. So much so that if it came down to it, I wouldn't always do this. I'm not, I wasn't like constantly doing this, but if I had to cheat on an exam, I'd cheat on an exam because it was worth the grade, not the knowledge. I wasn't chasing anything. I was chasing how people would look at me if I got a good grade, if I was in the advanced classes, I was chasing what people would think of me if I got the highest degree and if I went to the coolest college and if I got the most money. I was craving how people would look at me because I thought maybe if people look at me rightly and people think that, wow, he's worth it, then maybe I would be worth it. That didn't really work. Soccer or athletics in general. My mom can attest to this. You did not want to be around me if we lost a game at all. Like, probably go hide and don't talk to me for the next week or until we win the next game. Because my identity was in how I performed. My identity was in, okay, if I can be the best in this sport, if I can lead my team to a win, if I can win the scoring goal, if we win this game, if we win a championship, then I'll be happy. If we don't do that, if I don't perform well, if people look at me differently, if I mess up in the game, I could think every single game, I would go back afterwards and I would think of every single thing that I did wrong and I would just hate myself for it because I'm like, man, that was an opportunity to do something well and I didn't. No room for grace. And I think that a lot of us do that way, especially with athletics, if you grew up playing that. But with anything in our lives, Then there were girls, or relationships. It wasn't good. If I didn't have a girlfriend, I was looking for one. Maybe I had one and I'd look for another one. 
I would lie, I would cheat, I would do whatever it took in order to fill this hole that was in my heart because I was in this constant cycle that I was hurt from things in my past, I was hurt from hurting others, I was hurt from getting hurt, so I would constantly hurt others. And it's true when it says that hurt people hurt people, so I was in this constant cycle of getting hurt. I would get cheated on, so I would cheat on people. I would lie to people, I would do whatever it took. I would cross every boundary that I ever thought that I had. I would cross every boundary that my parents had set for me that was like, no sex till marriage when my senior year, I was like, well, you know what? It's kind of like love. Like, that's all it really takes. So, like, let's cross that line, too, because I wanted to be worth something. I wanted someone to look at me and be like, hey, you're worthy. And I wanted to be able to look at someone and be like, hey, you're enough for me. You're satisfying this hole in my heart. I wanted that so badly. But we don't stop there. One day in California, because that's where I was my senior year of high school, I mean my freshman year of college, away from everything, really an opportunity to just go off the rails. I was sitting at my desk one day, and this was at the midst peak of my, like everything. At this point in my life, I had an eating disorder to the point where I would work out for four hours a day, and if I ate anything unhealthy, I would hate myself, and I would put, uh, sometimes I would like take a bite of a Twix and spit it out just because I wanted the taste. So I was sitting at my desk one day, and this, all by myself, no one was in the apartment, and I heard this voice say, go read your Bible. And I was like, probs not. <laughs> the only reason that's here is because my mom packed it. I just kind of put it underneath my bed because that's what, you know, you did. But I was like, fine, whatever voice in my head, I'll go read my Bible. So I closed my eyes, flipped open to like random pages, like felt along, and whenever I felt something say like, stop, I was like, okay, stop. And I, it was 1 Timothy 4, 8, which says something along the lines of physical training is of some value, but spiritual training is of value in this life and the life to come. Which to a random person may not be like the verse you put on your wall unless you're like in athletics, but to me, it was God saying, hey, I see you, I know you, I'm enough for you, I've always have been. I've been searching you out your entire life, all those knocks on the doors that you ignored, I'm saying that I'm going to continue knocking until you answer. And that day I answered the door and I was on my bed weeping because I knew once and for all that Jesus was enough for me and that he was, he was chasing after me because we can't go to him unless we realize the fact that he's been pursuing us the entire time. And so from that day, I tried my best to do a lot of things. I, tried, I changed all my music. I did everything that I could to be a good Christian, and it was awesome. Made a lot of mistakes, but it was amazing. Living with Jesus is pretty dang fun. Wow, that was not in my notes for verbatim, but... Um, So we can't realize that he's enough for us until we realize that we're enough for him. That he doesn't care. That he died while we were still sinners. So you don't need to have the perfect life. You don't need to have the perfect outer persona. He loves you exactly where you're at. It doesn't matter. That fact, whenever you realize that, that will produce life change. It's not life change to try to earn something. That's old covenant. It's he gave us a gift, and that's it. 
And the amazing thing, I'm not sure if you guys know like secret place or quiet time or stuff like that. That's huge. And the reason that that's so important to me, that the secret place is so important to me, getting alone with Jesus, is because that's where my life with Jesus started. I didn't have a message. I had a lot of really cool messages growing up and a lot of really cool camps where I'd get a cool Christian high and I'd go home and be like, man, this is awesome. I'm doing this thing right for a week and then I don't care. But my life with Jesus started there whenever I realized that he was enough for me and I wanted to just go be alone with him because I wanted to be alone with him. And the amazing thing is, this looks different for everyone. That's the beauty of the church. That's the beauty of diversity. Is that you cannot compare your quiet times with someone else. You can't compare how, what your, how your walk with Jesus looks like with someone else. Because I've tried that. It doesn't work. I did YWAM for the first time almost two years ago now. And man, that is comparison city. Because you're around some amazing people who love Jesus so much. And they're saying, I get up at... 5 a.m. and spent two hours with the Lord every morning. And I'm like, I can barely read my Bible for 15 minutes without being bored. <laughs> Last year, I was an RA. I was, a, I was on the soccer team. I was so busy all the time. And I'd be like, well, they're spending two hours alone with the Lord every morning, so I'm going to try it. So I get up at like 6 a.m. I'm so tired because I didn't go to bed till 2 because you live in the dorms. That's what you do. And I'm like... I open up my Bible, and I'm like, God, I want to read this so badly, but I'm falling asleep. So I just, like, put my head down. I'm like, God, does this count? Like, <laughs> give me something here. Like, this, maybe it's like the textbook thing where if you put it underneath your pillow, like, transfer into your head. But it looks different for everyone because we're all different. It's like worship. I don't care if you have your hands raised, like, full-on field goal, or if you're, like, down here, like with nothing, I don't care if you're sitting, standing, laying down. I don't care if you do nothing. I don't care if you just stand there and look at the words. I don't care if you're singing or not. All I care about is connection with the Father and worshiping Him because He's worthy and He's enough. That's all I care about. So our walks with Jesus will look differently regardless of who you are. I don't, do not care how it looks. All I care about is He is enough. We need to stop comparing because as soon as we compare, then there's division. As soon as there's division, there's no communication. Miscommunication is bad communication. Then everything just blows up. And then it's just horrible and everyone's freaking out. And it's just really bad. And we shouldn't do that. It's not about the amount of time you spend with him. It's about the quality of it. I'm not sure if you guys know, like, I mean, go here, but abiding. Favorite definition of that word is to continue in a place. You look at John 15, it says that we can't do anything unless we abide in him. But five minutes of abiding is better than any amount of time striving. It's better than any amount of time trying to do, earn something. If you have five minutes in the morning, that's all you can spend with him, do it. If you have two seconds in the afternoons as you're walking to class, do it. Like, I don't care what the amount of time is. The point of abiding is that you're with him at all times. Jesus time, like quiet times, amazing. Do it. I love it. It's my favorite time. But Jesus time is all the time. There's no separation because he's within us. And the amazing thing is, is that if the answer to your question right now is not a resounding yes, that's okay. He's not insecure. He's not going to be like, he's not up there like, I'm not enough for you. 
Did you not see what I did on the cross? No, he's up there like, hey, I love you. And I love you because I love you. And I love you because I love you because I love you because I love you. Because I died while you're a still sinner, so it's obviously not what you do. I'm going to read one more passage real quick in Ephesians. Because I freaking love Ephesians. <laughs> Guys, the Bible's a good read. Like, I'm telling you. Put it on, like, the Christmas list. It's, uh, I'll read from... I'll just read from 14, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of his glory he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit and your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your heart through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be be filled with all the fullness of God. So often we go to Jesus to get something. So often we go to Jesus in order to earn something. So often we go to Jesus to get the promotion to be the coolest person because there's a circumstance in our life, but he's not one that we go to because to fix our circumstances. He's one that we go to despite them. And what this verse is saying and that the, what David understood is that I just want to understand the length, the breadth, the width, the depth of his love because that's what's going to get me to understand the fullness of God and that's what's going to get me to who I want to be. But my motivation is not because I want to become someone who's going to go here. My motivation is, God, I want to know you. My motivation is that it doesn't matter about anything else. My motivation is that it doesn't matter what people think of me. It doesn't matter if people think I'm a freak. It doesn't matter if my circumstances don't change. I just want to know, I want to know the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge that I can be filled with the fullness of God because that's what I want. I'm not waiting to heaven to get there. I'm chasing after it now. So if your answer isn't a resounding yes right now, that's okay, because my answer was a resounding pretty much no for most of my life. I'm only 22. I know that's old to some people, but still pretty young. <laughs> We're going to offer some prayer if you want some. So if you're part of that squad... You can head to the corners. We're going to have it at the Christmas trees and in the back corners. But I have one more question. It's the same question, actually. Fun fact. This question that I'm asking isn't like a condemning one. It isn't an accusatory thing. It isn't me saying that I'm better than you because I'm just trying to figure this out. There are so often that I'll go through my day and realize, wow, Jesus, I pretty much put you on the back burner the entire time. That I had so many opportunities to chase after you and I didn't. But I can tell you with full confidence that I do want to know the breadth, like the width, the depth, and all those words that are in there. But I want to know him so badly that my favorite moments are not this. This is not my favorite moment. I know that I want to do stuff like this, but this is not my favorite moments. My favorite moments are whenever I'm alone and there's no one else. And I'm like, God, I don't care if you say a word, but I want to know you. Those are the favorite moments of my life, and I will not give up anything. I would rather flunk out of college, which is a horrible thing to say at a college. 
but I would rather do that. I'd rather have those moments with him than have the coolest degree with the highest paying job because the most important thing to me is knowing him. So my question is not a accusatory, it's not a condemning thing, it's an invitation, will you join me? In this crazy wild pursuit that is life with Jesus. So I was mending, uh, I meant to end a lot earlier than I did, but we're mending a whole, by the end of prayer, one minute early, so you're welcome. Um, if you want prayer, please go to the corners. There's people there who want to pray with you. But my challenge to you is if there's something burning in your heart, do not leave this room without at least telling someone, because there have been so many times in my life where the knocking was there and I ignored it and moved on with my day. So this is such an exciting invitation because there's always more for every single person. There's more for me. There's more for my grandma and grandpa. There's more for my mom. There's more for all of us. There's more for Justin. So this isn't like a, this, you need this. This is like, I need this so bad. All right. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, for what you did. We thank you for coming as a baby, but we thank you that you're worthy beforehand. You are worthy because you're worthy. You've been worthy for all time. So Jesus, we just ask and we pray that we would just give you our everything, that our, the answer in our hearts would be a resounding yes, that you are more than enough for us, regardless of circumstances, regardless of what anyone else thinks. Jesus, we love you and we worship you each and every day. It'll help us find our identity in you at all times. In your name we pray. Amen.